come on downstairs and join us and just spend a little time with us, okay? On Tuesday, we're starting up um, a four-week small group experience. I'm not going to talk about that now. We're going to talk about that later, but just keep your ears open for that, all right? There's a note in here about if you're interested in becoming a member at the church, we will be doing membership um, right after Thanksgiving, or no, re right before Thanksgiving is when we're receiving new members. Um, next Sunday is the newsletter deadline. If there's anything you would like to have in the newsletter, make sure you get that to Nancy by next Sunday. Daylight savings time next week. Make sure you remember to turn your clocks back an hour, otherwise you're going to be really late for church. For some of you that might be okay, but yeah. You show up late, we're going to make fun of you if you walk in late, okay? I mean, you know me, so. Okay, so Halloween's Thursday, right? Okay, the big trunk or treat event. This is when we're here. The weather is not looking great. We run with it regardless. We have a blast. Last year it rained. I ended up wearing a fisherman's costume and just got soaked. But that's okay because it's for the community. It's an opportunity to reach out and to let the community know that we are here and come and be a part of this. We're going to have 500 hot dogs and hamburgers. We're going to be giving out cider. It's a great event. It's a lot of fun. Now, here's the one caveat to this, right? We ask you guys to dress up, to dress up your cars, to dress up yourself. If the weather's really ugly, we do move it downstairs. We just kind of dress up and interact with each other around tables downstairs. But we offer a, a prize for the best-dressed vehicle slash individual couple in this this is the prize this is i don't know what's this the fourth year we've given this thing out the light still works in it it's amazing to me but i was talking with charlie this past week and i was like charlie are you ready for halloween this is just to show you how how tough this competition actually is charlie's like of course we were ready for halloween since last year i said what do you mean he's like we have our costumes planned out for this year and for next year already and i was like are you kidding me he's like no we spend all year getting ready for this so listen this is prized by at least some people in the church okay <laughs> we have a lot of fun with it. Ken and Marge, I mean, people go kind of crazy for this. It's, it is a blast. And again, it's a great opportunity just to engage with the community. So, as I've been saying the last couple weeks, especially if you're not in town and you don't get trick-or-treaters, come out and join us on Halloween. It's a blast. There's going to be a handful of us that are going to start setting up around 2 o'clock. If you want to help with hot dogs or cider or anything like that, Come on out and join us at 2 o'clock. We've got a giant grill, charcoal. We're going to be making hot dogs. Um, if the weather's bad, we will not be pressing cider. But if the weather's okay, we'll bring out our cider press and make cider. It's just going to be a great time. If you're in town and you really want to be available at your house to welcome kids, then by all means, see me at First Pres. have any problem with that. Jerry Anderson said she just puts a note on her door and says, hey, come see me at First Pres in Sharpsville. That's another way to deal with that. But either way. Halloween, Thursday. If you want to help with food and stuff, come on out at 2. Otherwise, we start around 4 o'clock, 4.30, and, yeah, we have a lot of fun. All right? There's a bunch of announcements on your bulletin insert. You guys can take time to read that. Are there any announcements that are not on the insert that we would like to note before we turn to God and worship? Whoa. 
Swanson Brothers. This looks like trouble. <laughs> Good morning. Um, we're going to uh, have a wreath making class on December 7th. And uh, part of my responsibilities for my uh, job at Cranax was I made these wreaths on easels for cemetery use. And uh, so I have lots and lots of experience with wiring those things on a stand and putting a red bow on them and decorating them. And uh, Karen and I are going to lead that class on uh, December 7th, 10 o'clock. Um, if there's anybody who would uh, like a wreath but you can't attend the class, you can buy a wreath from us. We'll go ahead and make some extras. And the sign-up sheets are right out in the hallway, so um, we'll be hearing more about it. So thank you. Okay, so you're making wreaths yes. with through the Joy Ministry, but it's not exclusive to the Joy Ministry. That's correct. This is not a uh, Joy group specific project. This is all church, so anybody can come and attend the class, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Sounds good. Right. Fantastic, Tom. Thank you. Twenty-five for one not on an easel, and thirty dollars for one with the easel. Okay, okay, fantastic. Are there any other announcements not in the bulletin that we need to make note of before we turn to God and worship? Nothing. All right, Jeremy, lead us in worship. Good morning, everyone. You can stand and join me for our call to worship. And today it comes from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, we will praise the name of the Lord. Let us praise our Lord. Now the clouds of sin and sadness drive the dark. 
Please join me in our corporate prayer of confession, and this will be followed by a time of silent confession. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So it's the psalmist who reminds us that the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. People of God, know that in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven and be at peace. 
You may be seated. Let's have the children come forward. How's everybody? Good. Okay, so with you guys, I want to talk about King David this morning. Do you guys know who King David is? Have you ever heard his name? No? What are the, some, some of the things that King David has done? What are some of the stories that you know about King David? Do you guys have anything? What did he do? He kind of maybe stole someone. That's an interesting way to talk about that story, yeah. Um, he did steal somebody. He took another guy's wife is what he did. And then he had that guy killed. It's kind of not a very good story. It's not one of the highlights of David's life, but thank you for bringing that one up. That's, we're glad for that. <laughs> other things. What other things did David do? It, there's a story about David and a really big dude. Anybody know the guy's name? He has a fight with somebody. Goliath. What's he do to Goliath? Do you guys know the story of David and Goliath? What's he do to Goliath? He hits him with a rock and then... <laughs> and then David falls over? Oh, no, Goliath falls over. He uses a slingshot, doesn't he? And he kills this giant guy who was supposed to be really big and have all this massive. And he also thought that he was too small, but he wasn't. He thought him and Goliath. Yes. People thought he was too small because David was pretty young when that happened. But he wasn't too young, was he? David was a shepherd at that time, wasn't he? Huh. There were no telephones. Phones. Does that make shepherding harder? <laughs> or anything. Okay. Okay. How about this? I have a video for us to see if we can't make, like, help out with who, who um, David was. Go ahead, Sam. Bring us up the video. Yes. David was a hero. King Saul was so impressed that he made David a leader in his army. And everything that David did was a big success because of the spirit of the Lord was with him. But then King Saul noticed something. The people who used to cheer for him were now cheering for David. The women who used to sing songs about him were now singing songs about David. And Saul became jealous. He was filled with envy and hatred. Yes, King Saul turned to the dark side. Wait, wait, what? Jester, that's the guy from those space movies. I know, but it's similar. He was big and strong. He was good, but he became jealous and filled with hate. He turned to evil. Okay, as long as the kids know that King Saul was a real person, not a make-believe guy from a movie. Well, now they do. And here comes David. He's just a kid, but he's good. He's brave. He can save the galaxy. I mean Israel from evil. And King Saul said, the spirit of God is very strong in this one. And young David said, I will fight you. Cut, cut. David didn't fight King Saul. He wouldn't. He wouldn't fight. 
Why? Was he a chicken? No, he was very brave. But he knew that God had chosen King Saul just like God had chosen David. And David would not hurt someone that God had chosen. So he wouldn't fight him? Nope. But the King Saul wanted to kill him. Right. So what did he do? The only thing he could do. He ran. Right. He took off for running. And the King Saul took off after him. Evil King Saul chased him through the deserts, through the mountains. David had to live in the caves and hide out in the wilderness. And as he ran, brave men started running with him. Sort of like when a forest gump is running and these people follow him around yelling, Run, forest, run! Except in this case it was, Run, David, run! And pretty soon he had his own little army running around out there. They even took time to save cities in Israel when they were attacked by other nations. All the while running away from Saul, whom they could have killed pretty much any time. But they wouldn't because David respected God. What a guy! So, how does it end? Finally, after a few weeks of running... A few weeks? A few months? Um, eight years. At least. Holy cow, he must have been in a great shape. Anyway, after eight years of running, give or take, King Saul finally died. I think he had a heart attack from trying to keep up. Uh, no, it was the Philistines. What? Those guys again? I told you, they're like a flu bug. Yeah, we got that. The Philistines attacked Israel once more, and this time David wasn't there to save the day. King Saul and his son Jonathan died in the same battle. And at a long last, after eight years of a running, we reach the end of 1 Samuel and the end of our story for now. Oh, come on, this is the best of all. Huh. You guys seen that video. Some of you have seen that video, haven't you? No? Do you think David was a Jedi? No. Do you think Saul was Darth Vader? No. No. Huh. It's the story of David. David was king of Israel, and he did some really amazing things, and he did some really not amazing things. But one of the things that he did that we're going to talk about today is he wrote songs and poems. They're called psalms. And we're going to actually read one of David's psalms today because it's, it's a good psalm, and there's some things, I think, out of it that are really helpful. So I am going to take a moment and pray for us, and then I'm going to send you back to your seats. You know, I, I, Candy, yeah, I said I tried to work candy into every child's sermon. Um, do you think David had candy? Yes. Yeah, no. no. Do we? Yes. Okay, great. That's it. Okay. So let me pray for us, and then I'm going to give you guys candy, and then we'll go, we'll go back to our seats. Okay? All right. Lord, I ask that the word of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts that they would be acceptable in your sight. For you, Lord, alone are both our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay. Anybody want candy? Good. Go ahead, grab a piece of candy. Peppermint patties. Yeah. Do you know everybody else is jealous out there? All right. Thanks, guys. Oh, I think that's dead. We should probably throw that away. Yeah, dead lollipop. <laughs> huh. I feel like the children's sermons are getting out of control a little bit. David? 
It might be the candy, maybe. Maybe there's a bad goal to set. All right. So most people believe that through the Bible, God is speaking to us. It's why we call the Bible God's word. And when we open up our Bibles, what we expect is we expect to hear the voice of God. So this gets kind of interesting and a little complicated when we turn to the Psalms. Because what we find in the Psalms are humanities or our voice to God. They are prayers or hymns lifted up to the creator and the sustainer of all things. And even though they reflect our words to God, we still find within them truths about God, expressed through God's spirit and the psalmists. We don't use psalms like we use other parts of scripture. They have very specific purpose in the life of the church and of believers. We use them throughout our worship service and the call to worship and the prayer of confession. We even use them in the invitation to offering. The beauty of the psalms is that they are a model for us of how to express both joys and sorrows, hopes and regrets to God. They put words to the feelings that we might have. Now, the psalms are best understood as Hebrew poetry, and as such, they are meant to address the mind through the heart. Their intent is to really draw attention to how we feel. Let's consider for a moment the psalms of lament. Psalms of lament are psalms where the author is expressing grief as they cry out to God for help. The world is filled with evil, as we all know. And then the lament is an appropriate response to that evil. In Psalm 22, which is far less familiar to us than Psalm 23, in Psalm 22, which was written by King David, we find a psalm of lament. I want to read it to you, and I want you to just listen for the tone to get a sense of what's happening here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, opening their mouths wide against me. 
I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to my help to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers in the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all the descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They, will, they who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship, and all who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord, and they will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. Psalm 22, again written by King David, a long time before the birth of Jesus. Can you hear David's grief? Can you hear suffering in those words? I note Jesus because from the cross, Jesus actually utters the first line of Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. When we read that psalm, we see imagery of Christ's crucifixion all throughout it, even before Jesus was born. It's an amazing psalm. You know, those who were there and listening as Christ was dying heard those words, and it would have taken them back to Psalm 22. This amazing psalm of lament in the midst of grief. But the beauty of it is that towards the end, what you hear is not just grief, but an assurance of God's faithfulness to us. Psalms are a reminder that even in grief and suffering, we can praise God. We can give thanks, not for the circumstances, but in the circumstances. In the movement from lament to praise, we are reminded that even in darkness, there is hope. We don't have to ignore or overlook our pain. But we also don't have to remain there. There is more to come. So while the psalms of lament help us to express grief 
at the evil in this world. Psalms of praise help us to express joy. Especially as we consider that God is at work in this world overcoming the evil. The evil in our lives and the evil in the lives of those around us. Psalms. Now, as poetry, psalms use images or metaphors to create pictures for us. For example, in Psalm 91, the psalmist will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know, the psalmist did not mean that God was literally a fortress, a place that we could enter into, a building that we could take refuge in. His intent was to communicate the strength of God and consequently God's ability to protect and care for us. Another example is in the psalm that we will be looking at this week, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. God is not literally a shepherd. He does not wander the heavens caring for flocks of sheep. The metaphor, again, is just an image especially for a culture that was familiar with shepherding because it was intended to evoke certain feelings. Unfortunately, not many of us are familiar with shepherding. So we lose sight of what the psalmist actually intended. I mean, how many of you have spent time with sheep? Any of you? Ever? Yeah. You know, living on a farm, even one as small as ours, has given life to many of the metaphors that I find within the Bible. While we don't have sheep, you know, we do have pigs and we have chickens and we have horses. And we take care of all those. We watch over them. We're there when they give birth. We feed and water them. Nick gives them antibiotics when they get sick. If we think about God caring for us, the God who created all things and who loved us so much that he was willing to lay down his life for us, then to see God as shepherd would have brought enormous comfort to those who first heard that psalm. To see God caring for us in the way that a shepherd would care for his flock is precisely why King David wrote this psalm. And he will complete that first thought with, the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. Psalm 23 is about being content in all things, which honestly is not something we do very easily. That does not come natural to us. You know, there's a, th a farm out by us. It's called Walnut Hill Farm. And when the sheep are out in the front pastures, one of the things you will notice is there is wool stuck to the bottom of the fences. Because sheep are constantly looking for someplace else to graze. They're never content with where they are at. And so they're always squeezing underneath the fences out there to find greener grass. Sheep, and for that matter, animals in general, are not content. Even though the shepherd cares for the sheep, sheep don't realize the shepherd's care. You know, there are times when Nick... I help Nick out on the farm feed the pigs. And pigs are one of the most frustrating animals I have ever spent time with. 
but I am amazed at their lack of contentment. It might seem odd to think of an animal as content, but pigs are definitively not content. When we show up with a bucket of slop, the pigs act as if they haven't been fed in weeks. They are jumping on each other. They are fighting with one another. They, are, they look like literally they are starving to death. Even though we feed them twice a day, every day. You know, thinking about the psalm and shepherding, how content are we? Do we trust in God as shepherd, as one who cares for our needs? So here's what we're going to be doing. We are going to be looking at Psalm 23 over the next four weeks on Tuesday evenings as a community. And we're going to break that community down into two groups, into a group of men and into a group of women. And here is our hope for this experience. First, we hope that in the informal setting of Tuesday evenings, we will get to know one another a little bit better. Men with men, women with women. Take a moment and just look around you, okay? This is the community that God is gathering here at First Present Sharpsville. We gather together to praise God and to love one another so that as a community we can point towards God's love in the world. If we don't take the time to get to know one another, then we are missing out on a big part of God's blessing for our lives. The second hope we have for this experience on Tuesday evenings is that we will have an opportunity to dialogue and learn from one another. You have thoughts. You have insights. You have value in this community. We want to create room to hear from you. Now, the way we're going to do this is we're going to be using a teaching series from Matt Chandler in just a moment. We're going to bring up that video. Matt's doing a teaching on Psalm 23. It's a Bible study that can be found on Right Now Media. Right Now Media is this library of video Bible studies and teachings that the Christian Ed Committee has been using for the last couple of years. On Tuesday evening, we are going to teach you how to access that library. That's one of the things we want to do. So that if you want to, you can listen to other Christian preachers and teachers so that you can dig deeper into God's word through the teachings of others. Francis Chan and Matt Chandler, there's all kinds of great names available to that. So we're going to show you guys how to use that on Tuesday evening. What we are asking is that you would consider seriously coming out and joining us for the next four Tuesday evenings. We will begin at 7 p.m. Now here's the deal. If that is difficult for you. If driving after dark is hard, then please just see Jeremy or Nick or myself. We'll make sure you have a ride to get there. Because again, we are a community that is there to love and care for one another. And if anyone is in need, then it is our joy to reach out and help you with this. I'm going to show you the video. I want to turn to Matt Chandler's video and show you what that first video would look like. So Sam, go ahead and kick over to
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The 23rd Psalm is one of the most well-known, most quoted, most memorized passages in all of the Bible. And because we're so familiar with it, it, it might escape our imagination that uh, Psalm 23 didn't just burst onto the scene. It was actually wrung out of the life of King David. And I think one of the temptations we have when we read the Bible is to forget that David uh, was a man who experienced some of life's highest highs and some of its lowest lows. And in the middle of that, he cries out, the Lord is my shepherd. And so when we read the Bible at times, we can think, man, that doesn't really apply to me uh, or that doesn't speak to me where I am. And yet David here stands as a man who um, killed Goliath, was made king, um, succeeded in ways unimaginable to most of us, but he also endured some of the most horrific heartbreak imaginable. He lost a child in childbirth. Uh, his son uh, removed him from the throne, sought to kill him. I mean, you had some family dynamics there that were beyond a train wreck. And yet, in the middle of both these highs and these lows, out of the heart of David comes this phrase, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Now, when we think about the names of God in the Bible, most of the names of God uh, bring about this feeling of awe and wonder. They're majestic names, they're glorious names. Like if you think about God as creator, like that's a transcendent idea. Like no matter where you go in the universe, no matter how far in the universe you go, there he is. God is God, the creator of everything. Everything at a, at a, at a macro level, everything at a micro level. He is the creator, he is the king, he is Lord. And yet here, David brings all that transcendent power right to the ground. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And when we think about um, the Lord as shepherd, it, it, it kind of creates a different kind of feeling, a different kind of posture uh, in our hearts, in our minds towards how God sees us and how God interacts with us. And, and so here in, in the midst of all that David's endured, he, he's saying, when I look at my life, when I think at the highs and lows of my life, here's how God has interacted with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, although Psalm 23 is not messianic, it's not necessarily mentioning Jesus in, in a messianic sense, it is clear in John 10 uh, that Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And so throughout these six sessions, we're going to move over to John 10 and just look at how these two passages can tie together in a way that should embolden our confidence in the leadership of Jesus Christ over our lives. In John chapter 10, verse three, Jesus says that the sheep hear his voice and when they follow his voice, he leads them. And the next six sections will kind of lay out where he leads them. But it's important to note that, that to hear Jesus's voice and to follow the good shepherd's voice leads us into the spaces that our soul was designed to be and our hearts most desperately long to be. Um, see, there are other voices at play in our world, other shepherds, other leaders that we might be tempted to follow. There's our own inward compulsions where we think we know what's right and it doesn't matter what the Bible says, it doesn't matter what Jesus says, we're gonna do what we're gonna do. That, that's a voice, a shepherd, a leader that we might be tempted to follow. The, the other one is, is maybe the culture in which we live. Maybe it's a relationship that we find ourselves in where we're tempted to forsake or not to listen to the good shepherd's voice, not to listen to the voice of Christ, but rather listen to others. And in so doing, we rob ourselves of this second part of the passage, I 
shall not want. If you think about Jesus being the good shepherd, Jesus being what's going on here in Psalm 23, Jesus is second person of the Trinity, God the Son, co-eternal with the Father. He has always been and he will always be. He knows all things. He is in all things. He is all powerful. We see this in the life of Jesus. He's able to calm storms. He's able to curse trees. He's able to bring people back from the dead. And this is the one who's longing to lead you and, and to walk with you to the places that we're going to cover in such a way that every good thing will be ours. Uh, every good comfort and every good cross, every good chastisement, every good realization and revelation, every good moment in our lives tied back to the goodness of the good shepherd as he seeks to lead us. It is only in Christ, our good shepherd, that we could ever have the hope of saying, I shall not want, I won't be in want. All other voices, all other leaders, all other shepherds betray. In fact, in John 10, uh, Jesus calls them thieves and robbers. They will steal, uh, they will lie, uh, they will mislead, they will lead you to a place where there is no rest, where there is no provision, there is no care, and there is no comfort. But Jesus woos us into those places, leads us into those places where according to the scriptures, those who walk uprightly will lack no good thing. You, you probably know uh, Romans 8, that all things are working together for the good of those who love and are found in Christ. Jesus is the good shepherd. And over the course of the next five sessions, we're gonna look at how he leads us, what he brings us, what the promises of God in Jesus Christ are for you and for me. I wanted to give you a taste. That's the first video in the series. There are six videos. They're, as you can see, they're fairly short. They're only seven to nine minutes each. This is how this is going to work. This is how we see what is coming. On Tuesday evening, we are going to gather at 7. We're going to split up into men and women. There's going to be some snacks, a little bit of food, and some fellowship. Just a chance to get to know one another a little bit better. And then we're going to take a moment, and we're going to watch the video. And then following the video, there's going to be a series of questions that we're going to talk about. Had we actually watched this video on this coming Tuesday evening, here are some of the questions that you might have heard. When you think about God, what images come to mind? Maybe what titles and metaphors? The big question is, do you ever think of God as a shepherd? What qualities or characteristics of a shepherd make that analogy relevant? Or if the Lord is our shepherd and therefore we lack nothing, then do we trust that in Christ we will find all that we need? Or how about, what is it that you are lacking today? Is it something that God can provide for us? Again, we will watch the video. We will talk about some questions, interact with each other. Depending on how many people come out Tuesday night, we might break even further into some smaller groups so that we have an opportunity to hear from each other. You know, whether you have ever been a part of a small group Bible study or not, I really do want to encourage you to give this a try. This isn't about coming together and having all the right answers and showing how smart you are, especially biblically. But it's about getting to know who God is. It's 
through the community and through the discussion. It's one thing we lack on Sunday mornings. It's one thing I really do not enjoy about preaching. I like to be up here with you guys, but I don't get to hear from you. I don't get to hear your thoughts. There's no room for you to feed back to give me your thoughts. And so Tuesday night's going to be this fun experience for the next four weeks where we dialogue with each other and we dig into Psalm 23. We follow Matt as he leads us through it. And we look to see who God is. Okay? Again, this is going to be only a four-week commitment. And it's going to wrap up the week before Thanksgiving so that it doesn't interfere with holiday plans. I would really, really, really encourage you to think seriously about coming out and joining us. If you have the freedom on Tuesday night, it should be a lot of fun. My hope is, is to get to know some of you a little bit better, for you guys to get to know each other a little bit better, and for us to get to know God a little bit better. Let us pray. Lord, it is all to your glory. It is all about getting to know you, what you long for and desire for in our lives, and getting to know one another so that we can support and encourage and lift each other up when we are in those seasons of lament, and that we can come alongside of one another in the seasons of praise and celebrate together. We do not follow you on our own, but we follow you as a community because it was your intent that the church would be your witness to the ends of the earth. So, Father, we place the next four weeks before you as we look for you to show up, to transform our lives, and to transform this community. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand if you're able as we continue to lift our hearts in worship.
You may be seated. At this time, we will turn once again to your bulletin inserts into the list of prayer concerns that is found on the back side of it. A couple of updates before I turn it over to you all. Um, first, Bev Pitts' brother, Robert Miller, passed away yesterday. Um, so be in prayer for Bev and for the family with the funeral upcoming this week and several things. Yeah, this is a season of lament, a season of grief. Also, I got a text from Tony this morning that said a friend of his, Nancy Lutkemeyer, um, is struggling with lymphoma and asked that we'd be praying for her and her husband, Dick, who is struggling with dementia. So we're going to add Nancy and Dick to our prayer list as well. All right. Other updates, other prayer concerns that you all have? Go ahead, Carol. Yeah. To realign his ribs. Okay. All right. Carol had brought up Joe last week. He'd been in the ATV accident and broke almost all of his ribs. So it looks like they might be doing surgery to try to help get him back together. So we'll be in prayer for him. Thanks, Carol. Go ahead, Jeannie. Okay, what's her name again, Jeannie? Lexi? Okay. Okay. So Jeannie has a friend whose daughter Lexi in high school got very sick and they didn't quite know what was going on. She is 24 now, and she is struggling again. She's in the hospital, and she's losing weight pretty rapidly. Um, there's some issues. They don't know fully what's going on. So be in prayer for Lexi and for the family. Jeannie's also asking prayers for Bill and for her son, David. All right, thanks, Jeannie. All right, other prayers? Yeah. Pretty rough two weeks. Okay. And that's that's Bonnie, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. We have been praying for Bonnie. Um, she had heart surgery, and it sounds like the last couple of weeks have been pretty complicated with that. So continue to lift Bonnie up. But she is doing well now, and 
things seem to be under control. Good, good. All right, thanks, Dave. Go ahead. Okay. Last winter, we'd been praying for Reagan. She'd come down with viral pneumonia, and it was really touch and go there for a bit. So coming into this year, yeah, those prayers would be appreciated that she would have a good year, and they would have gotten all that under control. Great. Elaine? Yeah. Oh, good. Good. We've been praying for Kathy for the last couple of weeks. She had an intestinal infection, and it sounds like, yeah, that is clearing up, and she is doing well, and she is home. So we give thanks for that. Go ahead, Tom. Okay. He's not sticking around? He's going home? You wish? All right. Tom's son, Carl, has been in town the last two weeks and is heading home to, where's he going? Charleston. Charleston, South Carolina. So be in prayer for Carl and for his travels. Go ahead. So Kylie is the baby, and she is in NICU. Looks like potentially trouble with the heart. Okay, all right, so we'll be praying for Kylie. All right, go ahead, Chuck. Okay. Can we take Chuck off the list? If we do, is he going to get in trouble or something like that? No? Okay. We'll take you off the list, Chuck. You're welcome. Go ahead, Catherine. Do you have something? Okay. Okay. So Xander threw up yesterday. All right, so we'll be praying for Xander, and that you guys won't be throwing up either. Kind of how it works out, doesn't it? Yeah, too much candy. 
Ah, pastor needs to stop giving out candy. Okay, all right. Okay, if there's nothing else, then let us turn to God. Let's turn to God in prayer. Lord, we give you thanks for the life, death, and for the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. You know, he stood before Israel and he said, I am the good shepherd. Lord, do we, do we trust you? Do we place our entire lives in your hands and in your goodness for us, your love? Father, open our eyes to the ways we live. Father, the world is, seems like is in disarray. Evil is everywhere. In California, wildfires are wreaking havoc in homes. The Middle East, there is war and chaos and conflict. Struggles and suffering are everywhere. We really do long to see you as shepherd. Father, this morning we come before you on behalf of family members and friends. We give thanks that Kathy is doing better and is home. We pray for Joe and for his upcoming surgery. It sounds like that accident was just horrific. We pray that you will enable the doctors to put him back together. We lift up David and Kaylin, Sue and Joe. We pray for Dick and Kelly, for Kelsey and John, for Carolyn and Janie, for Rich and Linda. We pray for Reagan coming into the winter and the season of colds and sickness. We pray for Carl and for his journey home, for Bonnie, for Lexi, for Bill, and for Kylie. Lord, we pray for all who are being treated for cancer. We pray for Ashley and Belle and Krista and Shannon, for Rich and Brooke, for Cindy and for Cindy and for Debbie and the Depreta family, for George and Terry, for Jean and Shirley, for Jerry and Gary, for Judy and Kathy and Kim and Loretta, for Sue and John, for Ron and Ed and Rhonda. For Shirley and Chris and Patty and Christopher, for Rick and Russ and Arlene, for Kim and Susan and Alex and Pete, for Mrs. Weaver, for Charlie and for Chris. We lift up Nancy and her husband, Dick. And we give you thanks that Chuck's scans are coming back good, that they are no growth, no change, that things seem to have stabilized. And so we praise you for that. Lord, we come before you this morning in grief and sorrow as we lift up Bev and the family at the loss of her brother Robert. Be with them as they mourn. Father, we look to you for comfort in these moments. We pray for those who are currently being currently serving in the armed services, and we remember all who have served or given their lives in the active service. We pray for our sister churches here in the valley, for Salvation Army Corps and for Second Missionary Baptist. And Lord, we take a moment of silence as we lift any prayer concerns that have not been spoken out loud.
Lord, we lift all these prayers to you in the strong name of Jesus Christ, who is both our Lord and Savior and the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please take a moment. If you've not yet done so, put your name in our pew pads. We appreciate that. So the psalmist encourages us to offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You know, when we make an offering to God, what we are doing is giving thanks to him. So at this time, as we continue in worship, let us make our offerings. If you are visiting with us, we are just glad that you joined us. Do not feel obligated to make an offering, please.
Let us give thanks. Ever giving God, your ear is always open to our needs. And so it is with joy that we bring our thanksgiving for all your mercies. Lord, we return to you a portion out of our abundance, recognizing that all we give, we dedicate to your glory. Amen. Our closing hymn will be hymn number 220. Please join us. someone had said to us during practice this past week, all this music, it seems like Easter. And we laughed. In reality, every day is Easter. Every Sunday we celebrate the risen Lord. It, it is the purpose of why we gather. As we follow Ryan from the sanctuary this morning with the light of Christ, we do, we go out into the world with a risen Lord and praise to him. Here now this benediction. May God bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Please come downstairs and join us. We have pizza. Even if you didn't bring a pumpkin to carve or paint, we've got lots of pizza, and I think it just showed up. So join us downstairs. Thank you. <laughs>